If you don't mind, I just want to be transparent with you as uh, we get ready to enter into part 17 of the series that we're going through is the urgency of the gospel to the urban soul. And today's message is Jesus has power and authority over nature. And I just want to share uh, some fears that I had as a young adult. And as I was studying this, this scripture, it brought back some memories and things that how it applied to my life. And uh, it's kind of funny, uh, but my parents, believe it or not, they really taught me a, a valuable lesson about God's sovereignty and his power and, uh, and, and, and how he is in control and how he sustains everything. Let me tell you how. On August the 16th, 1992, there was a great storm. The storm started out as a tropical depression, and as time go, uh, was going on, and, and it be, began to form not a, into a tropical depression, but to an actual hurricane. And this hurricane uh, developed into what they call a Category 5 hurricane. It was strong. I mean, the winds were uh, recorded to be up at 177 miles per hour uh, for a sustained period of time. And it was headed towards these group of islands, it was headed also towards America. But before it got to America, it was headed to this group of islands called the Bahamas. And it was headed straight for a place called Nassau, Bahamas. And I'll never forget it because there were some very special people that were there when this storm was approaching. It was a great storm. And some of you may remember, it was called Hurricane Andrew. Hurricane Andrew was projected to cause great destruction. It predicted that it was going to be a Category 5, and it was going to cause waves and surges, and, and the buildings will, just may not be able to sustain these high winds. And I was afraid. I'll be honest with you. I was afraid. Why? Because Edmund and Theo Scott, they were my parents, they were there. And I was sitting in the safety of the Midwest up in Chicago, but I was afraid. I was afraid because, you know, I'm listening to the news as it's developing, and I'm calling my parents. I'm calling them and says, you know what? Y'all need to get up out of there. This is a Category 5. Do you know what that means? And I was really afraid. I actually remember my throat. I actually remember my throat getting kind of choked up as I kept bugging them each and every day. And my parents, they love to go to the Bahamas every year. They've been doing this for the late 80s. And every year, right about the third or fourth week in August, is what they call hurricane season. But they still, they go down there every year. And as I'm calling, I'm, I'm even praying. I'm saying, Lord, please give my parents the common sense to get up out of there before this storm hits. That was my prayer, to, for them to get up out of there before the storm hits. And my mom, as I, remember, I remember this, she was just as calm, and she calls me Eddie. She says, Eddie, she says, God is in control of everything. She says, if it's our time, it's our time. And I'm like, yeah, but why don't you get up out of there? Let's don't test this, you know, but let's just get up out of there. But I had great fear about this storm that was coming and about their safety. And it kind of gave me a, a lesson about having, you know, faith. They weren't even concerned. And I would call them and say, aren't you guys concerned? They're like, no, we'll be just fine. 
And, and as I was studying this lesson right here, it kind of reminded me of the faith that they had because if it's your time, it's your time. If it's not your time, God will make sure it is not your time. And so I thank God for that. And as we go into today's scripture, we're going to learn about God's sovereignty. We're going to learn about God's power. We're going to learn about God's authority, more particularly about nature, about nature. Can you turn with me to the fourth chapter of Mark? The fourth chapter of Mark. In today's passage, we're going to read verses 35 through 41. Now, remember the purpose of Mark, right? The sole purpose of Mark. You will remember uh, Mark 1 and 1, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ, right? The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So Mark, as you know, what he wants to do is he wants to, for people to know that this Jesus here, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, that he is the Son of God. He is the God-man. This is, this is the, whole, the whole thing, this whole purpose for writing this book. And in this passage, I think we're going to see a beautiful portrait of God, of Jesus in his humanity and in his divinity, in his deity. We're going to see a beautiful portrait of that. So the purpose of Mark, as we remember, is is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us read. On that day... When evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. Now, as we continue, I want you to really remember that. This is what Jesus said. This is a direct quotation. Jesus says, he says, let us go to the other side. Let us continue. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled great fear said to one another who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him the question that they ask who is who who is this that even the sea and the wind obey him and of course we know the obvious answer is that he's God God, of course, he's the only one that has such power and authority over the wind and the sea. So we shouldn't be surprised about that, since we have so many different testimonies about who Jesus is. So we really shouldn't be surprised at that, especially when we have the testimony of John. We read John chapter 1, verse 1. 
He goes, he testifies to this. He says this. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not, was not anything made that was made. So this tells us that Jesus, he is the creator of everything that exists. He has the power to create it, and he has the power to control it. Amen. Say it again. He has the power to create it, and he has the power to what? Control it. Hebrews, verse, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verse 2. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. Very similar testimony. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Then in verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the what? The word of his what? Power. So here we are told that God made the world through, through Jesus and that Jesus sustains it by what? His power. One more example. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Colossians 1. Verses 16 through 17. This is a similar testimony by the Apostle Paul. Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17. Just take a look at this. This is, this is Paul's testimony. He says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things. How many things? All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him, how many things hold together? All things hold together. Thank you, Jesus. So all throughout the, uh, the New Testament, we have testimony that Jesus, who is the creator, and he is the sustainer of all things. Therefore, we can be assured that if Jesus created it, he can what? He can control it. So up until this point, Jesus, he demonstrated his power and authority over the living. Yes, he did. I mean, I was just amazed as, we, as we're walking through uh, the book of Mark and, G, and Jesus is going through. So he's selecting his disciples. And he's like, go, follow me. They immediately got up and they left. He goes, he, he, you know, he, go, he says, get up. He says, follow me. A lot of people say, oh, that's not such a big, such a big deal. I challenge you to go to someone that owns a major business or a business and go up to them. They don't, really, they don't know you and just say, hey, come follow me. I assure you they're going to call security and escort you right out the door. Right. You know, so there we see the power and authority of Jesus, even as he speaks to people, as he chose the disciples, he chose the ones to follow him. So we see that. We see that Jesus has uh, power over all types of healing. He heals healing limbs and disease and paralysis and fever. You saw that Jesus had power over the human body and over diseases. These are the examples that we have so far. We even saw his power and authority over an unclean spirit that inhabited a man while Jesus was teaching, as Brother Cleveland says, in the church. Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, 
And we're going to see a greater manifestation of Jesus over demons in chapter 5 next week. We're going to see a great manifestation of that power as we continue on. But today we're going to look at the power and authority that Jesus has over nature. We should see Jesus and, and power and authority over humans. We, we see that time and time again. But in today's passage, we see on a grand scale that Jesus' power and authority over his creation. Over his creation. More particularly nature in this example. Now let's briefly look at the setting here. Here just before he had been healing, he had been teaching by the Sea of Galilee. And just like on other occasions, there was a very large crowd. A very large crowd. How do we know this? Right? We go right to the same chapter in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, again. Someone say, again. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat, and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd who beside the sea and the land. And he was teaching them many things. And this happened several times. This happened several times. Jesus was preaching and teaching, and he was healing. He was explaining things. He was teaching in parables and then going and teaching the disciples, you know, the meaning of these things. And you know what? People say, ah, why was he so tired? You try preparing to preach, and I just know, just, just preaching on Sunday, I, after preaching, I'm exhausted. I can just imagine Jesus in his humanity. He's preaching. He's teaching. You know, all through, I mean, there was one point when he came home, he couldn't even eat. There was, a, there was a lot of pressure on Jesus Christ. So this repeat scene was repeated over and over. But here, the Sea of Galilee, this is where the setting is. Where we're about to see a great manifestation of Jesus' power over his creation. The Sea of Galilee, uh, doing a little bit of research, is actually a freshwater lake. And even today, it provides about 50% of Israel's drinking water and is also a great source of fish. Scientists that study this region describe this lake as kind of like a type of bowl. A bowl. It kind of sits on a bowl. It is surrounded, it's partially surrounded by mountains and hills, right? And it sits at a very low point. So it's surrounded by mountains, it has a low elevation. And because of the low altitude and how the different temperatures, the cool air hits the naturally warm water, it could be treacherous at times if you're caught there at, at the wrong time. It was subject to very, very strong winds. The winds would come out of the east, swoop down over the mountains, and it would gain strength, and it would hit the natural warm uh, air in the water, and it would cause it this, this, this violent shaking, and the water would hit up against the sh shores. And if you can imagine a, uh, a bowl of water, you just shake it from side to side, and if you just shake it, you, you see how it just gets violent. And that's how the Sea of Galilee was, was situated. The cold air hits the natural warm temperature of the water in this type of bowl. And it causes violent winds. And with those winds comes waves. So this is the place where everything in our passage is happening. And it is what I like to call the perfect storm for Jesus to demonstrate his power and his authority over nature, his creation. In verse 35, it says, on that day, that day is found in 
uh, chapter 4, verse 1, the same day when he was teaching by the seaside and he was teaching in parables. He taught many different parables, but after that he would explain it to the disciples. We remember, you know, the parable of uh, the lamp under the basket. And if we read further, the parable of the seeds growing, he taught many, many. This is just a small example of the many parables that Jesus was teaching. So it was on that day. So here we're about to see a nice portrait of Jesus in his humanity, who was exhausted from preaching and teaching and healing a large crowd, and he was sleeping on the pillow in the back of a boat. In Luke's account, it said that the way that the air that the that the winds came down onto the lake, causing this violent turbulence. Because the lake is so small, when it hits the hits the shore, it just splashes violently. I believe that this was especially ordained by God to be very violent to accomplish his purposes. What was it designed to teach? What was it designed to teach? Verse 40. It says this. He said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? It's the faith lesson. It was a faith lesson. I believe our Lord was demonstrating again that he is God, he is Lord over creation, and that he can be trusted. And why? Because he said this. He said, let us go across to the other side. Jesus says, we're going to do this. You can believe that it's going to be accomplished. So this storm was of great magnitude. So they are violently being tossed around in the ship. And the boat was taking on water. And it's taking on water at a very fast pace. And here we see Jesus in his humanity. He was asleep on the back of the boat. Have you ever been that tired before? Or you've been so tired that no, things that normally happen around you would normally wake you up. But because you are so tired, you didn't even know what was going on around you. I mean, I could think of many times, many times where there was a great storm going outside. It was lightning and flashing. And I would wake up and my wife would say, did you, did you hear and, and, and all that thunder and lightning? I'm like, I didn't hear nothing. I didn't hear. It was a storm last night. Yes, it was. I, I didn't say nothing. So Jesus is the man. He's, he's asleep in the back of the boat. And he's exhausted. We've been like that. You know that sometimes that could sometimes be a scary event where you don't even know what's going on around you. But we see the truth of his humanity right here. He was fatigued, but yet he was totally calm, asleep with his head resting on a pillow while a great storm is going on and a boat was taken on water. Let us read verse 38. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? The people on the boat that, uh, that Jesus was on, they were panicking. I think, it was, I think it was a very normal response, you know, looking at the physical situation that they were in. They felt that death was inevitable. They felt like we are about to die. Jesus, don't you care? We're about to die. The water is coming in. Look, at we're shaking around. We, we've been on these shores before. We've never been in it like this before. I believe that they knew that Jesus had power over disease. They knew that he had power over, over demons. They knew he had power over the natural. But could he deliver them from this circumstance? Could he deliver them from a storm of this 
magnitude. You know, it was, it was panic, it was chaos. You know, there was pure fear. There's what we call pandemonium. They were probably doing all that they could to bail water out of the boat, doing all different kinds of things just to try to survive. They were terrified, and they hollered at Jesus. They said, Master, Master. Some account says, Teacher, Teacher, Lord, Lord. Don't you care? We're about to die. It's about to be it. And out of all the miracles before this that we see, none of the miracles were to deliver them out of danger. They witnessed these miracles. But this was the first time in Mark's account where a miracle was, was to deliver them out of impending danger. I'm not sure if they remember uh, the song that I believe was very prophetic concerning this situation. And just like Pastor Spencer uh, was just articulating, it was that First Chronicles chapter 25, that many of the songs, they talked about form of victories, but I believe this particular song talked about an event, but it also was prophetic in nature as it concerns our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Psalm 107. Psalm number 107. Follow me closely in verse 23 through 30. Psalm 107. I think this is very prophetic. Thank you, Pastor Smith, for sharing the first chronicles. I believe that this particular psalm was a type of prophecy concerning our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm beginning right now in verse 23. It says this. Some went down to the sea in ships, doing business on the great waters and they saw the deeds of the Lord his wondrous works in the deep for he commanded and raised the stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea they mounted up to the heaven and they went down to the depths their courage melted away in their evil plight they reeled and they staggered like drunken men and they were at their wits end then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. The waves of the sea were hushed. He made the storm still, and the waves of the sea were I believe that this scripture right here, I believe it, they were talking about the account that happened, but also it was prophetic, pointing toward our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Jesus fulfilling that psalm right here in Mark chapter 4. So they did all that they could. They were at their wits end, and they applied with little faith, little faith they had towards Jesus, and they woke him up. They woke him up. And I thought about this. It seemed like Jesus was irritated. It seemed like he was irritated. He was waking him up. And he told you it was going to happen. And I'm not comparing myself to Jesus. And I hope my wife doesn't be too mad at me. But it kind of reminded me of a time not too long ago when I was asleep. I had a very long day. And I'm asleep. And my wife, Lord, please forgive me, honey. <laughs> she comes into the room. She calls me, Eddie, 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 uh, the neighbors are knocking at the door. They're, not, they're knocking at the door. They're knocking on the window. And I wake up and, and within myself. I didn't say nothing to her. I, I have wisdom. I'm saying to myself, okay, we've been living with them for about 10 years. And the neighbors are knocking at the door. 
Go answer the door for yourself. So I was a little, I'm being honest with you, forgive me, I was a little bit irritated. You waking me up over a neighbor knocking at the door, and you wake me up, knowing that I have to get up and go to work in a couple of hours? And it kind of started me because she had her hand over her. So the neighbor's at the door, and, 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 and I believe because they knocked really hard on the window instead of knocking on the door or ringing the door, but I, I, I get it. Come to find out it really wasn't the neighbors, it was the people that normally walk on our lawn. But I was a little bit irritated. So I can just imagine Jesus, you know, being, you know, we walked out of his, he was tired, and they woke him up for this. And Jesus, they just, it's like, haven't you seen me repair limbs? Haven't you seen me uh, do all these great and wonderful works? And I told you that was, we was going to go to the other side. And if I told you we're going to go to the other side, I, I can just kind of imagine how Jesus would have felt on the inside. I told you it was going to happen. You know who I am. The son of God. I am God. And you scared? So I, I kind of understand just a little bit how Jesus might have been irritated. You know, but I got over my irritation real soon with, you know, with my lovely wife. I, every, everything was a-okay. We good, right, honey? We good, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the club. Oh, Lord. God is good, right? So they did all they could, and they applied with little faith, and they woke up Jesus. And the, wind, and the water and the wind, it recognized the voice of their creator. The wind and the water had stopped. There was perfect calm. It didn't die down. See, you know, the language is very strong. It says it was perfect calm. I mean, just, I mean, just, I mean, just kind of imagine all the pandemonium going through. You got the wind that's blowing in their face, and water is coming in. And I can imagine this, 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 the, these boats just being splashed around, just like, you know, just like there was paper boats and things like that. And Jesus speaks, and they listen the wind and the way they listen to him, and just perfect calm. And I can just imagine the disciples like, whoa. What is Mark telling us about this account? What is he telling us about this? He's telling us that we are looking at the creator right here. Here he is. He is the creator of all things and the sustainer of all things. Here he is right here. Just like I said in verse 1 that Jesus is the son of God. He is the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Proven by his tremendous control over creation. We see that Jesus has complete control over creation. And if he created it, he can do what? Control it. I'm going to say that again. If Jesus created it, he can do what? Control it. As this fact relates to the urgency of the gospel, the urgency of the good news to the urban soul, we can be comforted in knowing that man is not in charge of the planet. And that they and that mankind, man is not going to make this planet last one second longer or one second shorter than the creator and the sustainer of this universe has ordained it to be. Amen. Amen. I thank God for that, that there's nothing that man can do to prolong the length of this earth. He can't prolong it and he can't shorten. 
Why? Because the creator, he is the creator and sustainer of all things. Men has nothing to do with that. Should we be good stewards over the resources that God has provided us? Of course, absolutely, yes. We should be good stewards over what he's given to us. Yes, we should. But it is Jesus who is sustaining everything. This miraculous power and authority would have been enough to convince me. It would have convinced me to know who I was dealing with. And so I believe this was a lesson of faith. Jesus said this. He says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You have no faith? You have the creator right here. I'm the creator and sustainer. No need to panic. Jesus like, haven't I proven to you that you can trust me? Haven't I proven that you can trust me? We said I was going to go to the other side. I think for most people that would have been a faith booster right there. But their reaction to me was also amazing. It was also amazing. What happened? They were they was fearful when the storm came, but they had great fear after the storm. Great fear. I believe that Jesus is communicating his deity right here through his power and his authority. Also, he's communing his care and his compassion for us. He's communicating through, through, this, through this past scripture. He's communicating. He's communicating, I am God, I am the sustainer, and I also, I care for you. Psalms 55 and 22, he says this. The psalmist says this. He says, cast your burden on the Lord. He will sustain you. Yes. He will sustain you. Amen. And I, I, I like how, how Peter, how he encourages us on the same thing in 1 Peter 5 and 7. He says something very simple. He, here's the words of, of, of Peter. In 1 Peter 5 and 7, he says, casting all your anxieties on him because... He cares for you. Amen. So Jesus, he's communicating these two things. He says, I am God, I am the sustainer, and I'm going to accomplish what I said I'm going to accomplish, uh, accomplish, what I'm going to accomplish. You're with me. I'm in your presence. We're going to go to the other side, and you're going to ask me, do I care for your parachute? I care about you. Amen. I care about you. I love you. His care and concern, his divine protection for us from premature death. That's, that's what he's communicating. Now, doesn't mean that, it doesn't mean that Christians don't die. No, it doesn't say that. But we don't die until our time is up. We don't die until our time is up. The Lord protects and he sustains us until that time. There it is. And that's what an early lesson that I earned as a young adult. My mom taught me that. She was like, the Lord, if it's our time, it's our time. And if it isn't, it isn't. We're fine. We're going to keep coming back. And guess what? They still go every year at that same time. And every year there's some type of tropical depression that's headed towards the Bahamas, they're headed towards Florida. I mean, our children just recently had an opportunity to go with their parents to the Bahamas. And sure enough, Tropical Storm Erica is coming through. But I kind of remembered that, and was I a little bit concerned? I'm going to be trying. Yeah, I was a little bit concerned. I'm like, Lord, let them get out of there before the storm comes. But you know what? 
the Lord is going to protect them. I, I, I had great ease because I, I, I began to think about this. And like The Lord, he's going to protect them. They'll be just fine. A couple of observations. Just a couple of observations. Observation number one. Brother Cleveland, help me keep count. Should it be three? All right? Number one. Observation number one. There's so many observations. If anybody ever had a biblical studies course with Pastor Spencer, there is really what they call endless observations when we're studying a passage of Scripture. But I just want to point out three. There's many. I mean, there's literally hundreds of observations we can give for this, but just some, just some quick observations here. Number one, Jesus directs his disciples to go on the other side. Jesus says, let's, let's go on the other side. So what did Jesus intend to do when he said that? What, did, what was his intention? It's not a trick question. What was his intention? To do what? I'm going to ask the question. What was Jesus' intention? To do what? To go to the other side. That was his intentions. So what had these men done wrong to end up in a storm? What had they did wrong? They did absolutely nothing. They didn't do anything wrong. Actually, they were in the will of God. When Jesus says, let us go on the other side, and they immediately just, hey, they just lifted up the sails. And Luke's account says they began to sail off into the other side before this great storm came. They did absolutely. So we can bring storm on ourselves. We understand that some, sometimes the decisions, the bad decisions that we make because of the sinful nature that we have, a lot of times we can bring the storms on ourselves. But not every storm that we face is because we did something wrong. Oftentimes we end up in storms because we are obeying Jesus Christ. Even as it is with the disciples was that evening. They were in the will of God. So sometimes, sometimes... We face these storms of life simply because we're doing because Jesus says, let's go. We're going to do this. You're going to go to the other side. And sometimes we can kind of, because, you know, these, we make these decisions and we're like, okay. And we encounter these storms of life. The point of all this is that they were in this situation because of Jesus. And so are we when we face storms of life. No storm surprises Jesus. That was comforting to me, that there's no storm that surprises Jesus. It wasn't like Jesus woke up like, whoa, where did that come from? And even the situation that we find ourselves in, and I'm comforted knowing that it didn't surprise Jesus. It doesn't surprise Jesus that you're caught up in this storm, whether it be because you caused it because of bad decisions or because we're in the perfect will of God. It doesn't surprise Jesus. He is the creator and the sustainer. And if he's the creator and the sustainer, he can do what? Control it. Thank you, Jesus. Unfortunately, when Jesus leads us into a storm, we may not find him responsive as we like it to be. You know, we find ourselves in a storm, like, I believe, but, and, and we're praying, you know. So sometimes he don't respond like we want to, just like I was praying for my parents. Lord, give them the common sense to get up out of there. But he didn't answer that prayer. He let them endure the storm. He let them endure the storm, and he protected them. It was not their time. And he sustained them, just like so many other people. Point number two. Right, man, number two, right, Brother Cleveland? All right, two, thank you. 
It appears that maybe it, Jesus may not appear to care in the storm. Sometimes it appears that he doesn't care. It's like I'm going through the situation. Lord, you see the sickness in my body. You see my finances. You see and I'm praying. It seems like you don't care. You slay me. Sometimes it, it feels like that. Sometimes that it appears that he doesn't care. The idea that Jesus who died for us would not care about our pain and our anxieties and our fears, it makes no sense at all. We know, we should know he does care. Scripture is very clear about that. And he, Jesus demonstrates it. Yet, this is the feeling many of us have when we feel this way simply because we're in a storm. Because we're in a storm, we feel like the Lord don't care about me. Yes, he does. Just because he's not responding in the way that you feel like he should be responding. We're not supposed to, you know, we feel like we're not supposed to have storms in life. We believe uh, in Jesus in order to avoid the storms in life. He's supposed to keep life under our, our control and to protect us from storms and struggles and problems in life. And sometimes we feel like he doesn't care. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, Jesus cares about us. He cares about us. While other struggles, we feel like we're supposed to be immune to all the different things in life. You know, you know, protected from hurt, from pain and suffering, and the realities of just simple life. And this is why we respond sometimes in anger. We respond in doubt. Sometimes we, some people even respond in resentment when the storms hit, and especially when it hits you hard. We see that Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat, and then we're angry because it seems like he doesn't care. If those disciples were anything like I am, I'm sure that they did everything themselves to kind of save themselves. You know, making the, the sail go this way, bailing out water. I mean, I'm sure to sure they tried every trick in the book that they know how to save themselves. Observation number three. Thank you. Jesus rebukes his followers for their fear when facing the storms. He rebukes them. He says, why are you so afraid? You're so afraid. It was, it was a rebuke. It's like, don't you get it? And a lot of times we look at these scriptures, oh, I would have got it. But yet we go through storms right now and knowing this stuff, and, and we're basically doing the same thing. Notice I did say we, right? So it includes me. We, sometimes we do this. Now he turns and he rebukes them. After he calms the storm, he rebukes them for their fear. And I think the language here, it, it kind of has this, this, this word of cowardice to it. Why are, you, why are you such cowards? Afraid. This fear. He says, why are you such cowards? Why are you afraid? And you're in my presence. Here's the point. Many times we come to church Sunday after Sunday. We learn about Jesus. We learn about his words. And we learn about his works every Sunday. We come, come forward. We learn about it. We learn about these different things. Yet sometimes we have little faith. We still think that life is up to us. That we can handle life storms on our own account. That we have the wisdom. We have our own strength and the energy to be in control of our life. Do you know Jesus in theory? Do you trust him? There's a lot of people that have an intellectual knowledge of who Jesus is. 
have an intellectual, they, they know who he is. But in reality, they don't live what they learned. And here the disciples, I believe in theory, in theory, intellectually, they, they knew that something was special about him, that he's, you know, he has some connection of God. But they didn't live it in this example right here. Jesus, you know, rebuked them. You're a coward, so why are you afraid? You've been in my presence. You know who I am. You should know who I am. Look at the works that I have done. So we know him in theory. And sometimes we don't know him in faith. I submit to you, my brothers and sisters, that God is here. This is what Mark says, that this is God. This is he. This is Jesus the Christ. This is Jesus the Messiah. He, this is the Son of God. This is God. God is here. God is also, he's involved in our lives. He cares. He's involved. He just doesn't sit, just sit back and just let everything happen. He is involved interacting in our lives. He is the creator of all. He is the Lord of all. He's sovereign of all. And he is the controller of all. This Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe. I know many of us, we, we know that song. You know, I'm not a great singer, but we know the song that we, we learned at an early age. He has the whole, where? He has the where? One more time. What? One more wow, you guys are great. <laughs> Amen. God, he has the whole world in his hand. And that encouraged me. That, that encouraged me. That Jesus, he is the saint, he's the saint, and he has power over creation. He has the power over the elements, the power over nature in this particular instance. I remember thinking as a young adult where I would, uh, what I would like to move to. I grew up in Chicago, but then I started thinking about it. I said, wait a minute, I kind of like the, kind of like the South. I like the Florida area. No, it's too many hurricanes over there. I thought about maybe, maybe the West Coast. No, it's too many of those fires over there, all those crazy earthquakes. And, uh, maybe, maybe about a little bit more to the Midwest. No, that's Tornado Alley, all too much open space. I'm going to stay right here in the comfort of the urban. I'm going to stay comfort right here in Chicago. So what I was doing, I was kind of let fear drive my decision. It's letting fear drive my decisions. But I submit to my, my brother and sisters, Jesus Christ, he is the creator of the universe. He is God, and he can be trusted. He can be trusted. Let us pray.